All right. So um, we're going to start uh, the next couple of weeks here. We're kinda gonna, going to go into some new stuff. We kind of went over faith and kind of the, the first things first in our in our lives, in our church in January, kind of start out the year and say, okay, you know, where are we going to go with our lives? Where do we, where does God, um, excuse me, where is God giving us direction for our lives, but also where is God leading the church too? Um, and one of the biggest, well, actually the biggest part of church is what? Yeah, actually coming to church. Um, that's good. Um, one of the biggest parts of church is, is, is relationship. It, uh, church started on, as relationship. Uh, church is all about relationship. And so when we, we talk about relationship, we talk about relationship with Jesus Christ, the, uh, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. So there, everything about church is about relationship. But for some reason, a lot of people forget that it's about that. They come to hear the rules of regulations of what they can and they cannot do, but it's about relationship. And, and don't get me wrong, there's some, there's some boundaries that we have in our relationship with the Father and, and the, the Trinity and, and uh, each other, but it's all about relationship. And so this next couple of weeks, we're going to start talking about relationship, not just with um, each other, but as we go into um, this, our relationship with the Father and who He is and, and how we relate to Him. So um, we need each other. You know, I was, I, said, I was sitting on the couch last night. I said to Sarah, I said, I don't know what to entitle this. I said, uh, you know, can't live with them, can't live without them. And I said, that's probably not the best, it's probably not the best title to, to, to do for, uh, you know, something about relationships. And then, you know what, but um, we are, without each other, we're weaker. We're, we're better together and we're stronger at, when we are together. Um, it, talk, it, it talks about the cord. A cord of three strand is not easily broken. And so that, that atmosphere of us coming together creates something. It creates strength. It creates a unity and a bond with each other. So when one strand breaks, the other two are still holding up what, what, is being, what needs to be held up. So God designed us for a relationship. We're able to grow and mature through relationship. You know, church growth doesn't happen and our spiritual growth doesn't happen without a relationship with somebody. You, ha- you have to have a relationship with somebody for your, your spiritual maturity to grow. And, and don't get me wrong, you can, God will mature you by reading his word and studying his word and hearing his word, but um, maturity comes through discipleship and, 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 and actual real relationships with other people. So if you guys turn to Matthew for me. This is a, um, this is a scripture that... Uh, it gets thrown around a lot, and it's misused very much. If you look at Matthew 7, we're going to read, um, start in verse 1, it says, Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce on others, you will be judged with, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in yours? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will clearly see and take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's a, that's a very um, intense scripture because it, Jesus is saying, don't judge other people because you'll be judged yourself. Whatever, whatever amount of judgment you put on that person 
whether you realize it or not, whether you see it or not, it's going to become, it's going to come back to you. Not, it may not be that person, but it will come back to you. And I was, uh, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation a little bit today. Um, and, and I wanted you guys to hear, and it says this, it says, Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others. Do not have judgment. It will be passed on to you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, your friend let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical, hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots, deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. I love the Passion Translation because it pretty much lays it out in um, uh, we're not going to sugarcoat it kind of way. It really p- puts it out there because so many times we, we, Jesus is saying, hey, notice the speck in your eye. Or no, excuse me, notice the, the, the plank in your eye when you're, when you're like, oh, you see, you see that in their eye? No, I don't see it. Oh, you got to look really hard. And sometimes what happens in our life, we look really hard for that speck in other people's eyes. Well, I'm going to find it. I got to find something because we're so focused on finding something wrong with someone else that we're not willing to deal with what we have, have in our own life. Many times we see the tiny flaw in our family, our friends, spouse, children. We try to fix everyone else but fail to fix what is going on in our own life. Uh, I was watching a TV show with my girls one day and there was this... Um, it's a cartoon, and, and this girl was really mean to these other girls. And she's like, I'm just mean because I'm just, um, that's just who I am. And, and this guy goes, you need to fix yourself. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but that's how it is. We need, we need to be able to say, you know what, why am I so focused on this when I have my own issues? Everyone has their own issues. Hi, my name is Matt, and I have issues. Thank you. There we go. I was waiting for that. The great thing about it is my issues can be handled because I have the Holy Spirit. We have someone who can help us deal with our issues. You know, we, we try to fix other people's problems, but we have our own problems we need to deal with. But if you look, what did Jesus say? He said, look at the speck in your brother's eye, but also notice the plank in your own eye. He didn't say, hey, notice that there's some there's a little bit of dust in this guy's eye and you have gravel in your eye. He, he's talking about the same thing. Oh, some of the other translations say the splinter or the, 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 uh, the chip. Um, and Jesus is talking about the same thing. Both people have the same thing. One is bigger than the other. So he's saying both of you have sin in your life. Both of you have areas in your life that need to change. But there's no difference between that speck and the plank except for the size of it. So that means we're all in the same boat, but just different categories or different levels of it. Jesus is referring to two different people that may have the same issues, but not at the same level. So as we, as we look at people, we have to say, okay, what am I, what am I looking for? Or am I looking for something or am I just enjoying being with that person or spending time with that person? Jesus is saying that let's deal with the speck before it becomes a plank. 
Sometimes um, we, we get so focused on something little and we forget to do, do the big thing. Sometimes we get so focused on these little tasks or these little things in our own life that, that we forget and neglect the big things that are going on and those become even bigger mess than what the little thing was. Because the little issues become big things. Jesus is saying, let's, let's not focus on what other people are doing. Let's focus on you. Let's focus on the, the speck that's in your eye right now so it doesn't become a plank. And then when you walk into the room, it destroys everything. Because little things turn into bigger things. They turn into compromise and rebellion. But what Jesus is, is saying is let's be a people, let's be a church that first creates a culture of removing the little things in our lives so we can help people remove the big things out of their lives. Because if we have things in our life that we're not taking care of, they eventually grow into the same size as the people that we're trying to help. And then we're just the blind leading the blind. We're two people that are both going over the waterfall in a boat without an oar. If we remove what is in our life first, then we can clearly see and help the people that need help. Jesus is, Jesus is looking and saying, you know, he was saying this to the Pharisees. He's saying, you know what, you're, you're so focused on these little, these little things, but the Pharisees couldn't even see how much of a hypocrite they were. What the, the actions that they were doing, the, the lifestyle that they were living, but they're like, well, that person didn't give enough. And they, they, didn't, uh, they uh, worked on Sunday and they, they uh, didn't you know, keep the Sabbath holy because they had to go out and gather grain. It, it, they were so focused on these little things that people were doing that they didn't focus on what they were doing and, and how the, the, a lot of the Pharisees were stealing from people and the church and from God by, by taking things that were belonged to God. So Mark 12:30. We're going to read 30 through 31. It says, "You are the Lord God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is w- within you, and with all of your strength, love the Lord." This is the great and supreme commandment, and the second is this: you must love your neighbor in the same way as you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. That's a tough one sometimes. If you've ever had a neighbor that is hard to love. But Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you really look into that scripture... It's a lot more complex than, than what we really are, are looking at, what we're reading. But here, here, what I want to convey to you is this, is the greatest gift you can give someone is a healthy you. The greatest gift you can give someone is a, a, a person who is healthy and not in um, dire need. And the greatest gift you can give someone else is trying to not make them healthy. We get, you know, um, in relationships, if both parties aren't healthy, whether it's friendship, uh, marriage, um, whatever it is, if both parties aren't healthy, it's going to throw off the balance. So if I can make me healthy, 
get what God wants me to deal with, take the, the speck out of my eye, it helps me then be able to be, help them be healthy. But if I'm not healthy and I'm just going, hey, well, you need to do this, you need to do this, then what happens is I become just a person who says, you know what, I know what you need to do, but I'm not willing to do it in my own life. I know what you need to do, but I'm not willing to do it in my own life to make, to make me healthy. You cannot effectively love someone when you don't love and accept yourself. We, we have to learn to look at ourselves the way God looks at us and say, you know what, I love me because God loves me. If you don't learn to love yourself, you're never going to be able to love people the way that God wants you to. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's tough. If, you don't, if you're struggling with your own issues, it's hard to love your neighbor because what happens is, is this, or, or love someone else in your life. Because if you don't learn to love yourself and, and see yourself the way God sees you, you will start to resent people when they start to take things from you. And I don't mean like, oh, they show up and take things from you. But when they come to you and say, hey, I need to talk about this, or I'm struggling with this. What happens is that that relationship will put demands on you, and that demand will start to drain you of what you have. And if you're not healthy going into that, it causes more issues. It causes bitterness. It causes resentment. If you're not rooted in God, making sure that you're fed, you're strong, you're, you're in a, a good place. If you have balance, you have health in your life, when people start to drink from the cup that you have, you're going to always run dry. It's never going to be enough to sustain you because you're always giving, always giving, always giving. And then you're like, where's what? There's nothing left for me. When David says, my cup runneth over, because he was constantly going back to God, saying, Lord, David was rooted in the Lord, even though he had a lot of messed up things in his life, he was rooted in God and saying, you know what? I need this. He was constantly going back to God, getting refilled, refilled. But if we're not rooted in God, if, we're not, uh, if we don't have identity in God, what happens is, is when people come and they start taking things from us and, and, and we start to spend time with that person and we start to give to them, bitterness will come in. Because we never have enough to sustain us, let alone give them what they need. So what happens is, is oh, I just gave them everything and I'm drained. You ever had a conversation and when you're done, you're like, oh my gosh, I could take a five-hour nap. That's what happens when can you imagine living that way all the time god says if you stay rooted in me i will constantly supply you i will make you healthy so that when people come and they drink from you your cup your from your life and take from your life not in an unhealthy way i mean it could be unhealthy or or healthy that you're not going to be so empty by the time you're done and say you know what i don't want to talk to that person i can't stand that person God says, I want to sustain you to give them what they need, but also so you have what you need. Because in life, sometimes we go and we go and we go, and they're like, 
we give, we give, we give, and it's like now I'm empty. I don't have anything left. And then you have to, and it comes with burnout. It comes with anger. It comes with bitterness. And God's like, okay, I need to work on you and get and refill you so you can work on yourself, allowing God to work on you. But when you're rooted in God, when you allow God to fill you, he's working on you. He's working on your, your issues and your problems, but he's also saying, you know, now you can give a little and you can give a little here. You can give a little here. But what happens is we all want to say, okay, well, this is what I have. This is my cup and I want a little sip and I take a little sip at a time. But what happens is when someone comes by and says, oh, I need this and I need this. Then it's a little less. And someone keeps coming by, more, more. By the time you're done, there's nothing left for you. Because you've given them every ounce of wisdom that you have, every ounce of, of counsel that you have. And God's saying, you know what? No, you need to stop. You need to refill. Allow me to refill you. Work on what I have in you so you can give that to people. So what happens is, is in our heart, we start giving more. We give more. We give more. And what happens is, that empty part of our heart, bitterness and resentment and hurt fills that spot. Anger. And what happens is, is then we're, we're, we're a balance of, 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 of a yin and yang, of, of light and, and darkness. And there's a little bit of God, but the, the anger and the bitterness is overtaking what is, is in us because it's like, well, they, I'm always spending my time with this person. I always got to give them this and I always need this and they always need this. And God's like, you know what? You need to learn to be balanced. You need to learn to go to the supplier who provides what you need and, and find out who you are and then allow him to fill you so your overflow can fill the other people's cups. That's why David is saying, my cup runneth over. He's saying, the Lord supplies me and everything that he gives me, I take in, but my overflow goes out. That's like when Jesus uh, turned the water into wine. He saved the best for last. I shouldn't say that. They said you saved the best for last. Jesus just created good wine because Jesus is a really good winemaker. You know, when you can create water into wine, that's probably really good wine. He's not going to make it the $4 box wine. Um, he's going to make good wine for the wedding. And, and so what was happening is, is the, the best was coming last and the overflow of that was being poured into people's cups and like, this is what... This is the best I've ever had. So in our lives, if, if we're not healthy, if we're not uh, rooted and grounded in Him, if we're not balanced in Him, we're going to pour all of it, all the good stuff that we have out, and people are just going to come and take it all, and then we're left with bitterness. We're left with the bad wine. We're left with the old wine skin with new wine, and it's going to break. You know, how do we go into the, into the world and say, you need to walk this straight line when we look like a crooked stick? You know, we're like, we're, oh, you got to walk the line, you got to do this, you got to do this. And they're like, You're, you look like a crooked stick. It's, it's because we've had generations and generations of people and churches and ministries that have said, oh, you need to do this and you do this, but they're not willing to do it themselves. Yeah. Walk the line, but we're going to beat you with the crooked stick as we walk next to you not doing the same thing. This has been hundreds of years 
of church doing this to people. So what happens is, is the church looks like hypocrites because we point a crooked finger at them and say, you shouldn't be doing that. God doesn't like that. He hates this and he hates that. You know, you see, the, you see the, those, uh, those smarties on TV that hold up the really bad signs and God hates this and God hates that. I just want to go on with the people who are on the opposite side of that, protesting them and say, those guys are idiots. I want to go up to them and slap them and say, do you even know God? Because this is why people run away from God. This is why people run away from church because people that are unhealthy are not receiving from the Holy Spirit that are unbalanced are holding up things and pointing crooked fingers and saying, oh, God hates you for this and God hates this. We, we point a crooked finger at the world and say, oh, you got to do this, but we're not willing to walk the line and we're not willing to deal with our own issues. It's funny in church that we come in and we're like, okay, I, I don't understand this, because, and I do at the same time, but it's, the church is a safe place and people with issues come into the church because they need help with their issues. But when you come into the church and you have issues, why are we hiding our issues? Let's, not de- let's just deal with the issues that we have so we can take that plank out of our eye so that when we look at the world that has a speck in their eye, we're not like, you need to do this, but you can't see what's going on because you're moving around and all you see is out of one eye. All right, do this. Put your fingers and thumbs together like this. I want you to close your left eye. My wife can't close her left eye. It's okay. Close her left eye. And what I want you to do is I want to hold your, hold your hands out like this. I want you to close it, and I want you to focus on and move your eye with your left finger. Move it straight towards your face. Keep, keep bringing it towards your face, and keep, it, keep your right eye focused on your left finger. Yep. All right. Keep moving it closer to your face. Eventually, mercy. Straight. Okay. So if you guys actually did it right, um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. So what happens is, is when, when you do this and you focus your right eye on your left finger, what happens is your right finger goes into a spot because you're, so, you're moving your eye to look at the tip of your finger that you lose track of your right eye, your right, uh, excuse me, your right finger. So you're like, okay, so there's a blind spot. There's, there's something that goes, when you start moving your eye, you lose track of this finger. So when we're focused on something else, we have a blind spot. We lose track of what is going on. Jesus is not saying the speck doesn't matter. He's saying, help your brother, help your sister, but make sure first you are qualified to help them. You ever had a speck of sawdust get in your eye when you're doing woodworking or anything like that or cutting wood? That is the worst thing. You know, even when it's out, you're still fishing around thinking there's something in there because it is scratched or it's caused irritation in your eye. But, you know, you're standing in the mirror and you're looking for it and you're fishing, you know, trying to roll your, you're doing the, the weird eyelid thing, trying to get it to come forward, but it may not be there. But that awkwardness of feeling that. But... The speck, does, the speck matters. He's saying we have, to, we have to find it, get it out, 
before we're willing to, or before we're able to help the person that has the plank. Because if we don't, then we eventually, uh, what we're going to have in our eye is a plank and we're not going to be able to see anybody. We're not going to be able to see what is going on in people's lives because we're living the same lifestyle. And people who are in sin, a lot of times can't see the people with the same sin and how to help them because they're dealing with the same thing. So what happens is, is when the church doesn't start to remove what is in their eye and people in the church and Christians don't remove what there is in their eye, here's what the world says. I cannot hear you and what you're saying because your life is shouting louder than mine. They're like, I can't hear you because what you do is 10 times worse than what I'm doing. But you say you go to church and I need to repent. I mean, if you really think about it, it, it's what what happens. Here, here, brother, I want to give you a track. I want to give you this. I want to tell you about Jesus. And they're like, I saw you last week doing that. Because your lifestyle isn't louder than sin. They cannot receive because they see the sin in you and it's louder than the sin in their own life. Jesus is saying, don't let the speck turn into a blind spot where you can't see what is going on and then what happens is, is then you, you destroy whatever else is going on in someone else's life. So there's, there's three different versions of you that I want to talk about. There's the public you. There's the things that people know. Oh, I know this about this person, and I know this about this person. Then there's the private you. That's the, that's the, person, that, that's the person that you are at home. Um, you know, your hair's not done. You walk around, um, and you don't, nobody wants to see that. The private version of you, nobody wants to see because, you know, you're like, you know, wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm not going to brush my teeth, I'm not going to do that. No one likes to know everything about your entire life because there should be a private you. There's a public you, but there also is a private you. I, nobody wants to know what you do every second of the day, when you didn't brush your teeth, when you brushed your teeth. There has to be something about you that is a private because that's who you are. I don't tell everybody what I do every day. Well, I was driving and then I spit out the window and I rolled the window up and then I, then I saw a duck and, you know, nobody wants to know every second of your life. We don't need a narrative of, you know, this is what John did all day long for, for six hours and then he went and did this for eight hours. And nobody wants to know that. So there has to be a private you, you know, you ever had that person and they're like telling you everything and then there was a duck and then the duck floated off and then there was a pond. It's like, nobody wants to know that. The private you needs to keep some of that. Yeah, we don't really need to know that. There's the public you that everybody knows and says, okay, this is this person. This is who they are. This is, uh, I know them for this. And then there's the, the you that, what other people know about you that you don't know about yourself. What you don't see can hurt you. You know, um, we always tell our kids, you know, when they're afraid of the dark, there's nothing out there. It won't hurt you, you know. 
I was watching, my kids made me watch Goosebumps last night, and I was like, no, I don't like that. I'm a, I'm a big, I don't like creepy shows or movies, so they were, they were uh, and they were laughing at me. Yeah. My, my 11-year-old and 14-year-old were like, Dad, you're such a sissy. I'm like, okay. I'm like, stop. I'm like, I'm like, I'm the adult here, so we're not going to watch scary kid shows. But what you can't see can hurt you. Blind spots can hurt you. When you're driving, you always have a blind spot whether you realize it or not. When you drive, you may may not think you have a blind spot. Like in in my wife's vehicle, there is major blind spots. There are like pillars, uh, the side pillars on the the thing are, are like this wide. They're like six inches wide. And I'm like, I'm like, is there traffic coming? She's like, you need to look. I said, I can't see. The way we were angled, I couldn't see a side road and a main road coming out. I said, I can't see if anybody's coming off that. I said, I can't see that. And then there's the pillars on the side of the vehicle, and then there's the back, and they curve, and it's like, okay, there's, there's major blind spots, so you have to do a full turn to be able to see them a lot of times. We always have a blind spot, whether we know it's there or don't know it's there. There's always going to be blind spots in our lives. You know, um, had to take some uh, RVs to Cadillac. There, I had this 25-foot blind spot behind me that I can't see. I can see out of my mirror a little bit, but if I turn back, all I see is this glaring big front end of an RV in front of me, and I can't see anything around it. There's always one there we unknowingly put ourselves and others at risk sometimes. Blind spots in our lives don't seem like big deals until something happens. It can cause pain. It can cause damage to our lives and in the relationships that we have with other people. That speck is a blind spot Jesus is talking about. He's saying, hey, you, don't, you, you see your brother with, uh, with the speck, but you don't see that you have something. That plank is, is a blind spot that sometimes we don't see and we need others to help us out. You know, sometimes it can be sin that we're intentionally doing or unintentionally doing, but we, we just kind of, it, it's, it's become a habit to us sometimes. Or, you know, we may be ignorant to something in our life that we just don't see. But the blind spot is hidden from our view and we can walk through our lives hurting other people and not realizing that we're doing that. Well, why are they so mad at me all the time? Because they see the blind spot that you don't. When my wife and I are sitting in her vehicle, my blind spot is not her blind spot. She can look out the right window and see what is going on. That's why I say, hey, move your head. I need to see. Or can you see? Because I can't see out of that side. And her blind spot may not be my blind spot. So when we're, we're driving, I can say, hey, can you see out that side? I can't see over that, that there. Because on my side, I've got that pillar. So if I look back, all I see is that pillar. But we have blind spots in our lives a lot of times and we can hurt other people and we don't even realize we're hurting them. It's like, well, they're always mad at me. Why are they doing this? Why are they always saying that kind of stuff? Because sometimes we, we do things that we unintentionally are hurting people because we don't see what's going on in our own life.
Those blind spots can cause damage in our lives for years, and we can be ignorant to seeing them. We need revelation in that area. Sometimes we need revelation. You guys ever been in, there's this, um, when I was in Ludington, I, I was driving, and there's this one spot in my car, and it's about this wide, and there was about this much snow from the windshield wiper, like this. And I was looking straight across the road, and I thought, no cars are coming this way, no cars are coming this way. I'm going to pull out. And as soon as I went forward, about six inches, there was a truck that was hiding right in that blind spot there that I could not see until I moved forward and I could see his vehicle. If I had pulled out, he probably would have hit me because he was pulling out at a quick speed to get out because he wanted to beat all the other traffic. I could have gotten hit by that. So I'd have been sitting in the middle of the high or middle of the road waiting for a tow truck to come because I I had a blind spot. We need, to see, we need to see the blind spots in our life. We need people to help us see those in our lives. Our marriages, our friendships, our relationships with other people. When you're together 24-7, it can get a little stressful. What happens is a lot of times is when we're together that long, one has a speck, one has a plank, and we don't see it. And then we, we wonder why we're, we're stressed out. It's why divorces happen. A blind spot will let you look, but it will never let you see what is actually happening. I want to repeat that. A blind spot will let you look, but it will never let you see what is actually happening until it is too late. We need truth in our lives. We need friends. We need spouses. We need leaders that are willing to say, you know what? Hey, I see this in your life. It can be painful. When someone says, hey, you have a blind spot, but the Holy Spirit will come in and take care of that for those who are, li- who are willing to listen and hear what is going on. Jesus was rejected in Luke four fourteen through 30. Jesus was re- rejected by his own hometown because he, they were familiar with him. They had a blind spot to him as the Messiah because, oh, that's just Joseph's kid. That's the kid that ran around and played in his father's workshop. They had a blind spot to Jesus and they didn't, didn't see him as, as the Savior. They had such a familiar um, knowing of him that it was just like, oh, okay, well, that's just Jesus. He just, he just runs around here. But the church has created a blind spot. Christians have created a blind spot with legalism, dead traditions. They don't see Jesus. We've created a blind spot in the world where they don't see Jesus when Christians talk. They don't see anything that would help their problem or better their lives. We just have to pull the plank out and create a place that is a solution for people's problems. We've created places that only, it's only safe for Christians to come in because we've created a, a, a blind spot in everyone's life that no matter what happens is unbelievers and, and the unsaved don't want to come in because all they see is this, this place that doesn't give them solutions to their, their families, their jobs, their marriages, and the, the problems in life. If we pull the plank out of our, our eye and our church and the church, people will see that there is a place where hope is, healing is, there's solutions for what is going on in life. 
if we do this, the world's really going to see who Jesus truly is. Not the person that says, oh, you've got to quit sinning, you've got to stop doing this, you've got to stop doing this and beating them up. They're saying, you know what, this place is where I can find hope. I come here to get healing because of the issues of life, and this is where I can get it. But until we take that blind spot out of our eye, until we have a revelation of that blind spot in our eye, and in the areas of our lives as Christians and as a church, we can say, okay, you know what, we're really not reaching people because they're not seeing something in us that is different. They're seeing something in us that is the same as what they are. Same sin, same struggles, same issues. We have to be saying, you know what, I'm going to create something in my life that makes my life attractive to an unbeliever. Look at Jesus. Unbelievers followed him around because they wanted to know who he was. They wanted to know about him. And when they were converted, then they still followed him because he didn't have blind spots. His life represented something different than the culture that they were dealing with. Jesus' life gave them hope. Following around, listening to him speak gave them hope. We can speak, but if our life isn't different, hope is going to be washed away. Let's not get familiar with, so familiar with each other that we're like, oh, I just see that and then whatever. I just love them. Yes, we love them. Love them enough to say, hey, can I talk to you? I noticed this. One of the, the, the biggest problems is, is when we have blind spots and, and someone next to you notices it and won't say anything to you. I don't have blind spots because my wife taps me on the back of the head. Hey, you missed that. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I love it because my wife won't let me have a blind spot. I may argue that blind spot with her, but she won't allow me to, to have that blind spot anymore. And the same way with her. If you've ever been around us when, when we're arguing, people ride with us in the car and, and, and they, they're like, this is the most awkward car ride ever because they're arguing. But you know what? That argument will, all, will, will deal with something, but will always lead to a repentance or us coming together and saying you know yeah you were right or i was wrong you were right you were right i was wrong whatever it is because i'm not i don't want my wife to say oh i just love him and he just does what he does i'm like i don't know where i would be without it the holy spirit puts people in our lives to say you know what you're not seeing that let's work on that let's grow in that area let's get the sin out so that the world doesn't sees jesus and not the sin let's pray